0: In this episode of Gareth Jones on Speed, guess what? I'm driving to North Wales! Bet you never saw that coming! Gareth! 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 Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth, and welcome aboard a Volvo V90 D4 Momentum. It's very quiet, because I'm just on the junction of the A406 and the A1, leaving London for North Wales. And this car stop-start. It's got a diesel four-cylinder engine, which um, I don't have the figures to hand. I will dig out later and work out what the brake horsepower is. But it seems to be adequate, yes. It's very smooth. It's very refined. It has a bit of a roll issue. I noticed that over speed bumps and corners it really really struggles in london and even city low speed cornering 90 degree this thing sort of rolls and wags back the body control laterally isn't as good as it is front to rear longitudinally is that right so there we go that's the floor that's the only floor i think because there's an awful lot about this car to like it's, it evokes a bit of a Volvo you look at the grille the shade to the old P1800 there and when they launched this car they teased forward by showing the estate as a shooting brake and that of course got my attention Volvo made a lovely shooting brake p1800es many years ago zog had one actually he had the p1800s i think which was the coupe but what a magnificent car i love the shooting brake so cleverly a bit of that uh, coolness cachet has been shown as background radiation you might say for this car And it sort of got my attention because of that. But I do like a Volvo. Who doesn't like a Volvo? You know, who didn't like a Saab? But Saab are no longer with us. But thanks to some good timing from Geely, they acquired Volvo at a reasonable fee, I believe, from Ford. And they've invested in it quite heavily. And they really are pushing Volvo at Mercedes, BMW, BMW and, more importantly, Audi owners at the moment. They're going for bigger numbers than they ever have before, and my guess is it's probably working, judging by the number of XCs, the full gamut of XCs that you see around on the road, a very, very popular car in a very popular sector of the market. So it's working, it's working. Now, I had a Volvo and Gareth Jones on Speed a few years ago. We had an XC70, which I took all the way to Spain and back and really, really got to know well and really appreciated. I liked the fact that it was a great car for camping. We were camping. We had a top box on, it came with rails, it was really easy just to stick my bars on and the box for all the stuff I had to take. And we rolled in and out of campsites easily thanks to that little bit of extra height that you get from the cross country, the XE, than you do a regular Volvos. And I loved that car. I thought that car was amazing. It had some tremendous driver aid stuff. I remember that the distance sensitive cruise control could be set up to manage A-roads and even roundabouts in France. It really was very nicely sorted. And I've been looking forward to exploring the driver aids in this car it's a big part of volvo's i p isn't it it's DNA so that's something I've already been exploring in this car I've had it about a week and I went up to Yorkshire camping in it yeah put my roof bars on had to buy adapters for my bars but that's okay rather than buying a whole new set of bars the adapters that's cool you know Volvo uh designed to be purposeful it's an estate car an estate car i suggests suggest you're going to lug stuff around doesn't it so to have roof bars these are what they call flush bars on the XC70 I had the bars were raised so I couldn't use the clamps which make my whisper bars they're called they're aerodynamically shaped, like a fully symmetrical section, like a, a tailplane or the camera mount on top of a Formula One car in cross-section. And they're quite quiet, they're really good. They go on this car, and, hey, it's a estate car. Volvo, king of the estates. And let's hear it for the estate car. In an age when people think utility, they automatically think of very high-riding, 4x4, with a big body, big wheels, long suspension travel. You know, we've all gone mostly off-road, not completely. They're all crossovers, aren't they? But the estate car, therefore, represents something more designed for road driving, something more of a driver's car, something more of a sports car. You know, it's low, it feels more like a sports car than it used to. I've said it before, the best thing that ever happened to the estate car was the MPV and the 4x4 made the estate car look sporting this isn't a sporting volvo it's certainly got performance but it's not a hurry it about car it's a cruiser it's a big luxury cruiser oh winter is coming do you watch Game of Thrones if you do you can't have failed to have noticed uh, the sponsorship by volvo <laughs> of Game of Thrones and I watch Game of Thrones religiously I've watched everything every episode many times I do rather enjoy it and it's weird because it's kind of outside the sphere of things I would normally be interested in in terms of television but I think Game of Thrones has some great qualities and I've become a real fan and Volvo sponsor the Sky Atlantic coverage of Game of Thrones so I'm wondering if that's made me even more aware of this car and is that the right audience for a Volvo driver I wonder. Interesting. But, you know, they look cool. They've got sort of associative advertising at the moment where they show Volvo helping a guy develop a prosthetic limb, kind of showing that Volvo is at the edge of technology and kind of care for people. It's a big part of their IP and their advertising is portraying that. It all goes in. You don't think it does, but it all adds up to a picture of an image or a brand. And I'm very happy to be seen driving around in a Volvo particularly as I live in North London I live in Stoke Newington which is adjacent to Stamford Hill Stamford Hill is one of the areas of London that has a very large acidic Jewish population and a lot of the people in my neighbourhood drive either Volvo estates or Japanese domestic market model Previas because they don't really like to buy German cars. You know, you probably won't see someone who's orthodox or Hasidic driving a Mercedes or a BMW. There are some who will, but the vast majority won't. So that leaves the option list slightly skewed towards Scandinavia. That was a lovely bit of alliteration. So they drive Volvos. So I drive around in a Volvo and all the guys in the big black hats look at it and go, oh it's a Volvo, they're interested it's their brand I've left Stoke Newington I've now made it onto the bottom of the M1 and um, I guess I should tell you about the driver assist stuff in this car which I will, but first I'm going to have a glug of coffee I don't know if you heard that tiny bling that was a reminder from the car that I'm in charge of but not driving that I need to put my hand back on the steering wheel because this car is equipped with pilot assist which is a level of autonomy it's not fully autonomous it has the ability to maintain a safe distance from the car in front while setting a speed I've driven lots of cars that have that and they all do that rather well now but it also has the ability to maintain lane position by reading the data around coming from white stripes and if you can override that by hitting the indicator there we go, I've just done that now and the indicator once you put the indicator on allows the car to drift from what I was in the centre lane back to the left hand lane Can you hear the rain? Now, we're going around a bend at the moment. I've got to have my hand on the steering wheel, holding a little bit of pressure. But I can feel that the car is following the bend. It turns a little late for my liking. I'd like it to turn just a little bit early. And I'd like its position in the lane to be slightly right of where it is. It tends to sit a little close to truck's and the left hand edge of your lane in my opinion and I don't know if that's trimmable, if it were trimmable that would be quite a nice thing to have as a a menu option so this car, they call it pilot assist it's not full autonomy it's pilot assist, you've got to be here, Um, because you have to keep a bit of pressure on the steering wheel to stop it from disengaging, it does occasionally feel like you're slightly fighting with the car for control as if it doesn't want to overtake it doesn't want to do stuff you know it wants to carry on in a straight line but holding that pressure on makes you feel like you're arguing with it a little bit psychologically deeply psychological i know the car's in control and it does accelerate nicely if you use the indicator as an overtaking device that works rather well and I'd say it's probably 85% reliable that's just a figure I've picked out of the air for how much confidence I've got in it there's a lot of confidence in it but not full confidence in it because I was coming down the A1 from Yorkshire in it the other day using Pilot Assist and it failed to follow a curve in the road and would have put me in the central reservation but because I had my hand on the wheel because you have to I was able to rectify that but it wasn't going to do it and I don't know the reasoning for why it put me in that situation what combination of influences caused the software to think that straight on was the right plan when it clearly wasn't but it did slightly tarnish my faith in the car slightly but Here I am using it now, so I'm happy. You know, I'd be much happier if I could take my hand off the wheel completely. But it would give me a bling every 12 seconds to remind me of that. But being able to take your hand off, you know, to reach something, to get your glasses, to pick up a coffee or pick up this recorder, that's actually a very good thing for Gareth Jones on speed. Yeah, this car, if you want to make a podcast, a car with a little autonomy, that's what you want. As the Buzzcocks once sang, I want you, autonomy. Gareth Jones, do speed! I've discovered another way to keep this Volvo V90 thinking, that... I'm holding the steering wheel and that's by just sort of rubbing it by stroking it like some kind of um... weirdo either you have to hold enough pressure on for it to acknowledge that you're pushing it or you keep moving it just putting your hand on isn't enough I should actually hold it really that's probably the legal requirement at least but the pilot assist on this car really comes into its own on a British motorway on a Sunday evening. I decided to make this journey up to North Wales on a Sunday evening, which is usually the opposite. I'm usually coming down from North Wales. You know, the M6, the M1, the M56, even my A55, is all really busy. At the moment I'm on the M1 going north, four lanes, but we're all rolling. There's no speed limit in the temporary speed limit zone. So I've set 70 and gone through maximum pilot assist, so it's maintaining distance from the car in front it's going as close to 70 as it can within that distance and it's keeping me in a lane and the cars are varying their speed a little bit slowing up and accelerating, you know, three or four miles per hour but I've got both feet off the pedals and the car is taking care of it very nicely and this is the first internal combustion engine car I've driven that's capable of doing that. It's just asked me to apply steering. I wasn't holding enough pressure on the steering. Do you hear that blink? Now, a Renault Captur has just slotted in quickly in between me. Hear that changing tone? The car's slowing down. That's okay. We're all averaging out a nice speed together. That's all right. I'm in no hurry. Every other car with this level of autonomy I've driven has been electric, and that means one other car, the Tesla. Nothing else has offered this kind of thing. You know, I've driven BMWs with ability to maintain cruise control and distance and lane assist. You know, they tell you if you're drifting out of the lane by vibrating the steering wheel, but nothing that would actually work on keeping you in position and so this represents a first this car well done volvo first uh, often important in cars but not always a guarantee of success somebody works out how to do it at great cost sort of gives up the secret and suddenly all the other car manufacturers copy using the techniques that the small firm has spent millions on developing and, you know, sell it to their huge clientele. And I rather think that's what's going to happen, possibly, to Tesla, thanks to the likes of Jaguar and Audi and Porsche at the moment, who are going to take a premium electric approach to their next generation of cars, which will make them very like Tesla. They'll try and beat Tesla at their own game. Remains to be seen if brand loyalty wins over first-generation innovators that's interesting but it's a different story to the car I'm driving now an internal combustion engine car with what's this is this level 2 autonomy is that what they call this I don't know for certain it could be level 3 I don't think it's level 4 but it's certainly the internal combustion engine car with the highest level autonomy I've driven in my reasonably wide experience Not even that Rolls-Royce Wraith would drive in its own lane, but as you know, the next generation Phantom will, and I think they call it uh, chauffeur, don't they, in Rolls-Royce parlance, which makes perfect sense. Let me tell you about the drivetrain on this car. It's an eight-speed automatic made up to a four-cylinder turbo diesel which is pretty refined you know, it doesn't clatter you can hear it, modern diesels you know they're diesels but it doesn't intrude, which is good because you expect the Volvo to be sort of airy and uh, easy going on the ears you know, it's part of that sort of Scandinavian appeal, over oh, the open cold glacier, so it's a good engine it's a bit lumpy It's certainly got the power. Absolutely not short on power, but the way that power is delivered is a bit of a surge overkill situation. When you first get in the car, you're going to be very light-footed, otherwise it springs away. You have to throttle it back, and then if you want something to happen, you boot it, and then nothing happens for about a second, and then it happens, and it really happens, but there is a bit of turbo lag. And I believe that higher up the range, there's a sportier spec of this engine which is a clever system of injecting air into the turbo to keep it spinning which prevents that turbo lag and quite honestly I think if you want a driver's car you would need that and I like a driver's car and I like instant performance we all do you can always drive around the characteristics of an engine but perhaps shouldn't have to so my suggestion would be to look into that if you were thinking of buying this car go for the one with the sportier engine spec for that reason I'm I'm sure that the turbo lag will be managed better it's not the end of the world but it would be nice to eliminate it completely because the rest of the car is so very very good with one other provisor I've struggled a little bit with the ergonomics it comes with this enormous what I guess must be an 8 inch screen which you do pretty much everything via. The only knob below it is a unlabeled home button. It's a button with a white line on it. Press it and you get the home, which gives you your layout of sat-nav, which radio station you tune to, what your phone is doing, and car status messages. I'm just looking at those now and noticed to see if there is one. No, there aren't any. Okay. But most of the time, it will be the sat. Well, it'll be whatever you want it. SatNav's really good, nice big screen. It requires very positive pushes, which makes the entering destinations for SatNav a little bit slower than I think it could be. Really positive pushes to make everything happen on screen. Please come on. So it's all right, it's okay. But All that works rather well. There are a couple of other buttons underneath the screen. Real buttons. There's a fast-forward button for skipping tracks, a play button and a pause button. That's only three buttons, including the volume. And heated rear window, heated front window and hazards. That's it. Everything else done on the screen, which is okay. I've managed quite well with all that. AC controls are very good because it's automatic. You tend to set it once and leave it and that's fine for a long time, even though my phone was connected it didn't recognise that my phone was connected, and it's an Android and it connected to indeed my son's iPhone, no problem but the Android, it wouldn't recognise the tracks on my phone and allow me to control those to identify those remotely even though I could control it, and there are double controls for that on the steering wheel, of course but it's controls on the steering wheel that baffle me most I would love to know what my actual fuel consumption for this car is. And I don't, because I haven't been able to reset the tripometer. It's got, like, five different tripometers. I can call it up via the menu on the screen. And I have tried to read the owner's manual, but you can only do that when you're sitting still, and before the engine's running. There's a digital owner's manual on the car and there isn't a hard copy and I must spend more time reading that but I did read it but I couldn't find the answer to my question how do I reset my odometer and without that I can't do an accurate calculation of my real fuel consumption the readout here tells me well there's two there's TM miles per gallon 41.3 and TA which is an automatic uh, reset, I believe of the tripometer, which is 48.5 miles to the gallon. So let's assume it's in the middle 40s I'm taking and take an average of the two. I don't really know which is the better, but 40-somethings, not bad. That was my criticism of the XC70 I took to Barcelona and back. It was a bit thirsty. 28 miles to the gallon over that entire journey at ah, French motorway speeds which are higher than British motorway speeds with a full load of four people and a roof box full of stuff so maybe it's to be expected but this is noticeably less thirsty and yeah we had a bunch of stuff in the roof box and the car was mostly full but you know let's say it's doing in middle 40s that's pretty acceptable the way that the power is delivered isn't perfect but it is close to silken if not lumpy, as if someone had laid a sheet of silk over some eggs. I mean fried eggs or poached eggs, not hard-boiled. You get the idea of that sort of wave? That's how this car is, which is not a bad thing. That was interesting. A moment ago, I just had an intervention it's not a word that was in common parlance a few years ago but you tend to say intervention a lot these days don't you you know oh I've got a mate who's got a drug problem so a few of his best friends got together and we had an intervention and we've stopped it in school no I'm afraid there was an intervention otherwise his behaviour would have been well I just had an intervention from a car which is a first I got to a section of the M6 where there was a 60 mile per hour limit here, heading north, just north of Birmingham, Wolverhampton that way. And I was sitting out in the right hand lane. There were people who wanted to go quicker than me, so I got out of the way. But because I was using the pilot assist, I simply put the indicator on and expected it to drift into the left hand lane. It didn't. So I gave the steering wheel a bit of a shove, and it shoved back it didn't want me to change lanes because there was a Land Rover Freelander in that lane that it thought I was going to be a little too close to for politeness certainly not going to collide with him certainly not cutting him up but just a little too close perhaps to the front bumper than politeness would have allowed and I like that because the way that the car managed it was very interesting it gave me the opportunity to do something about it. It shoved back, you know, which I thought was kind of nice, tricky here now. I've got a nobody that wants to change lanes and my car was hesitating. Not perfect, not perfect. I had to speed up to clear that car and I'm now in a 60 mile per hour zone. Interesting, interesting. So yeah, good stuff and bad stuff, but not completely flawless. But is any driver assist or autopilot system completely flawless I think not not until absolutely everybody's using it are we totally safe but I am a big fan of driver assist autopilot if you like for when you're in heavy traffic conditions where everyone's cruising at a limited speed, a temporary speed limit or there's just too much traffic and it's stop, start, stop, start because I think systems will probably manage that better than a tired distracted driver there's some really odd and brilliant bits of tech on this car for daily use the first one is really nice there are two buttons on the boot it's nice to have a hatch that closes electrically there are two buttons one is close the other one is close and lock nice if you've got keyless entry you know you've got a key in your pocket and the car just responds to it the key never comes out you don't have to get the key out to then lock the car the last thing you do is get the stuff out the boot close and lock nice universal locking very good the most extraordinary thing on this car though i've never encountered a road car with this before if you sit in the back in the center console you've got a 230 volt three pin 13 amp socket <laughs> Wow so you bring your home charger plug that in when you're traveling you got one charger you could have just put a USB in there that would have made it easier but fancy having that that's quite useful for camping that is if you've got a cooler or a light or a pump for inflating airbeds so that's kind of nice I like that bonkers. The more time I've spent driving this car, the more I've grown to really enjoy it. I was a little critical of the lumpiness of the motor when I first got it. But everything else it does is really very, very good. The more you use the Pilot Assist, the more confident you become with it. That's such a great name for it, Pilot Assist. It's not complete, hand it over to me, but it's most of the way there. And I thought that might be a psychological issue. Either you want to know that the car is completely in control or that you're doing it. There is no in-between. But I think this car has struck a very good in-between. The detail stuff, like when you're changing lane, you know, you indicate you overtake. And if you want to change back into your original lane, you indicate that allows the car to cross the white line separating the two carriageways and then immediately you cancel it once you're in the lane it finds that lane and stays there it does the job properly it's sort of a pilot assist and if you are prepared just to have your hand on the steering wheel and just push lightly now and again most of the time it really is driving the car and doing a very good job I'm a big fan I think this car is deep in Volvo DNA it's definitely capacious It's practical, it's elegant, it's minimalist, largely thanks to everything being on the touch screen. Please keep right and follow the M6. I'm going to. And that gives it this sort of beautiful bleakness, magnificent desolation, I think Buzz Aldrin called the moon. I wouldn't say this was magnificent desolation, but it's magnificently straightforward. And I think maybe that's what people want from a Volvo, a really straightforward, safe car with very few pretensions other than to be a Volvo estate, which is probably high praise. I found a bit of a workaround for the turbo lag, for want of a better word, in this car. And that is the drive mode button down by the starter, which is not a button by the way, it's a rotary knob. You kind of rotate to the right to start, kind of cute. So next to that, you've got a knurled rotary knob which, if you rotate, you get an option on screen to tell you what mode you're in, if I engage. Default mode for the car is comfort. If you go to eco, efficient drive, that will prevent you from flooring it and it'll give you better performance. Or, if you go to dynamic, I've engaged it now, that was the pilot assist disengaging, so I'm on an A road now. There's not like a roads in the way that it can cope with motorways. It really struggled with that, right. actually, it's done a couple of roundabouts quite well, I have to say, on air roads. But it really struggled on the exit from the M6 to the A51, I think it was. There was a multi lane thing, and it really didn't know what was going on. So I took over, but you know, you can't ask it to do everything. But yeah. Uh, drive around in dynamic mode and the car is a little more responsive it keeps it buzzing a little bit better but it's still not lagless completely plenty of info, you do have to be careful (laughs) if you put your foot down you find yourself doing very silly speeds it just surges very nicely now here we go yeah I'm on an A road and it didn't see the white lines at all there would have put me in the soft verge but I'm told this car has all sorts of other safety features as well which will prevent you if you're going to a soft verge turn away from it. So maybe once it realised I'd made a mistake it would fix it but by then I'd probably have a punctured tyre and a bent wheel as it hit the kerb between me and the soft verge here. So A road, I'm going manual. This is a very sensible car. Took it up to Yorkshire with just one of my sons, Indigo and Violet. Tycho was off doing something else. And we had loads and loads and loads and loads, loads, loads of room. Violet sat in the back to keep Indy company. And I had my guitar in the passenger seat to keep me company. And I had actually put my back out. And I've mentioned this before, but I put my back out recently and it's prone to damage, you know, and again. And it went the other week. And so, before I went camping, I had to spend a lot of time going up into the attic, getting all the camping gear out of the attic, fitting the roof bars to this car, fitting the top box to this car, putting everything in, and we got in the car and we drove up, and we were going to a wedding in which a bunch of us were going to be camping in a friend's garden, staying at a friend of a friend's house. And literally within half an hour of getting on the road with everything, we got a message from the people we're going to stay with. Oh, no need to bring your tent. We've got a really massive house. Come and sleep in the house. (laughs) So with my poor bad back, I'd made all that effort to get everything in the car. And I means of worried. But I tell you what, this car has, I'm pretty certain, the most comfortable driving position and therefore seats of Any car this side of that Rolls-Royce Wraith. Man, it's a perfect position. I'm neither down like a sports car. I'm neither up like an MPV I'm in a driving car position on the best seats, which fixed my back pretty much. I had a terrible back, but it wasn't difficult to get comfortable and stay comfortable in this car for a journey from London to Yorkshire which took near enough four and a half, five hours um, the seats really helped so, older person we're talking about the demographic of uh, hang on, there's a truck pulling in front here how's the autopilot doing? yeah, well I would have slowed down a little earlier, but thank you for seeing it it did see it if Volvo recognised their demographic the older person then they're gonna benefit from good seats. But is that really what they're after? Very good. A Peugeot just suddenly threw himself in from the left-hand lane to the lane that I'm in. But I saw him indicating, and so did the Volvo. And the Volvo left the distance for that car to pop in. I was covering the brakes and the steering there. You could probably hear me hesitating while I was talking because I was concentrating on what was happening in front of me. But the Volvo dealt with that, that's good. My confidence rating in this car has gone up from 86%, perhaps to 89%. That was very good. Still can't explain that situation on the A1, but I'll explore this car and report back. So, as I was saying about Game of Thrones, winter is coming, Volvo sponsoring Game of Thrones on the television, this car got the best throne it really has how about that pulled it full cycle i was gareth this was gareth jones on speed in a volvo v90 d4 momentum very good